Oh, grace to you, everyone. I'm so very much looking forward to adding another dimension to the picture, the big picture of Christmas 2021. Remember this purpose, the purpose of this series is to mitigate what culture is doing to Christmas, which is trying to repackage it, recustomize it, you know, uh, make Jesus as insignificant, almost invincible in the whole narrative. But we're trying to fight against that and because the Christmas story is bigger. We're looking at the breadth, the depth, the height and the length of it because we would have everyone behold this one. Amen. We would have everyone behold this one this Christmas because if they have that one, they have everything. Everything. And if I could review quickly, we've looked at, we could say, the height of Christmas. How high does the story go? Well, it starts with Elohim. Remember? Elohim, the creator, the life, the light of everything. And that one that created and sustains everyone is Jesus. This infant is infinite. And this infant is life. It is life. He is life, rather. And so behold him because he is more than what he seems. You cannot make him small, reduce him, repackage him, customize. He is not one to be changed or thought of lightly. We will never circumnavigate this one. It is a big story because it has a big beginning uh, and is unending and unending. Then we consider the breadth, you could say, of this Christmas picture. The breadth. We looked at hope last week. How broad is this hope? We looked right back into the past promises of God. And we learned that we are to lean into those promises and bind our problems into the promises of God. And we came up with that saying, in order to cope, we hold on to the rope of God's promises. All right, for the present, as we look to the past. But this hope does more than call us to look to the past and hold on to the present. This hope has us looking forward to a future full of fruit, to a future of victory and overcoming in the name of Jesus. In that one, there is a broad hope. A strong hope. And today, today we're going to retell this big picture, this big story. All right. And I would say we're going to look at the depth of this narrative. How deep does Christmas go? All right. Let's properly understand this Christmas. And so let's look deeply. All right. And so we're going to navigate between the Old and the New Testaments, which actually mean first and second covenant all right keep that word covenant that's going to be a key word today all right because covenants is how god responds to our rebellion that's how he responded so he's reaching out in relationship in love Right, And in reaching out to us, in establishing a relationship, he does this through the means of covenants. As someone said, covenants address the catastrophe of the fall, and they also point to Christmas and the cross. I love that. Covenants address the catastrophe of the fall, and they all point to Christmas and the cross. Someone has defined a covenant as life and death relationship with God on His terms. Hmm? 
life and death relationship with God on His terms. There's no bargaining. There's no negotiating. God conceives the covenant and He confirms it. Right. And underneath the covenant is what? The motivation, love. Love. Covenant love. Faithful love in action. Lamentations 3.22 The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. God's love, God's love for us is never stopping. It never gives up. It's unbreaking. It's always and forever. Right? All right, let's get the depth of this Christmas story. We've got to ride back to Noah. Right back to Noah. This is the first covenant. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and the lord regretted that he had made man on earth and it grieved him to his heart here's the darkness here's the reality here's the brokenness here is sin it is out of control but god but god decides to wipe out the world with a flood hmm? Because it says later in Genesis chapter 6, verse 11, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. You see, friends, we have to stop here. Christmas only makes sense. It only makes sense. You know, you're only going to get the depth of it when you understand how bad we are, how corrupt we are. I mean, this incarnation, this Jesus, this infinite infant, all right, has no meaning until we comprehend how dark and evil are our hearts and how desperate our situation is and that we are completely undone without God going nowhere and going nowhere quickly but this Savior this Savior was sent to save sinners I'm not going to get ahead of myself okay back to Noah God unleashes a worldwide flood all right but God saves a family, puts them into an ark. And, he, and Noah is given the mission again, as he did to Adam, be fruitful and multiply. Right? And God makes a covenant with Noah. Genesis chapter 9 verse 11. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. The first explicit mention of covenant refers to the initiative taken by God to enter into relationship with human beings despite, despite our depravity. Second covenant. Covenant with Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families on the earth shall be blessed. And this is reaffirmed in chapter 15, where God initiates, here's the key, God initiates an irreversible relationship with Abraham. He binds himself to Abraham with a solemn vow. Now, its story is pretty gripping and it's pretty gross. 
But at the time, if two parties were to go into a covenant, they together would walk through blood, right? And as they walk through blood, why? Because that would symbolize that if any of them broke their word, their promise, one of them would end up as the animal had ended up dead. All right? I think Abraham had been waiting and waiting about God and his grace puts Abraham to sleep. Abraham falls asleep and God himself, right, does the blood walk. He does the blood walk. Showing that I'm signing this covenant. I'm in this covenant. I'm going to do this covenant. It's my covenant. I'm empowering the covenant and I'm going to achieve the results of this covenant. It's all on me. This is the message. It's all based on who God is, not on Abraham and what Abraham does. And this same covenant is passed from Abraham to Isaac, to Jacob, and to the twelve sons, which we know one of them is Joseph. Right, third covenant. God doesn't stop. Come to Joseph, the Israelites have moved to Egypt to escape famine. A different pharaoh comes to power and he's enslaved the Israelites. They're in bondage for 400 years. And what do we know? The people cry out to the Lord and we hear Exodus 2.24. God heard their groaning and God, what? Remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Okay. Now, fast forward that drama. Like it doesn't take long for God's people to start worshipping a calf. Does God stop? No. He continues to pursue them and renews His covenant with them. He renews it. God's people don't keep their part. They continually break the covenant. But they get another chance. They get another chance. And God's people are planted in the promised land. And now we have the covenant with David. 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7, 12, if you're going to follow. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I, that's God, will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. After David dies, Solomon's sins trip him up. And if you read through the books of Kings and Chronicles, you'll see that the covenant promises remain front and center. But king after king disobeys and disqualifies himself. And because of this, there's a longing for a new king. One who can ultimately fulfill the conditions of the covenant. And sit on David's throne to rule and forever. Ding, ding, we know who this is. Prophets come along, and they also speak of a new covenant. Hmm? Jeremiah, I mean, this is now a thousand years after David. It's been 400 years of just silence from God. Here's Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant <laughs> with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with your fathers on the day when I took them from the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Here we go. The stage is set. All is ready. We see the character, the love, 
the purposes of God. We see the nature, the character, and the purposes of man. It's clear. No one has an excuse. Everything is ready for the presentation of Gabriel. Luke chapter 1. Gabriel the angel is sent, verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. To the house of David. Gabriel gave God's message to Mary. Verse 31. He, that this is this one, this Jesus, this Christmas, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. Mary contemplates all that the angel has said to her and she breaks out in song. Man's been silent. It's been nothing and she, she links Christmas to this covenant. She links it. In verse 54 and 55, she says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She's got it. She's connected the dots. Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. How does it start? The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And King David is listed five times in the family tree of Jesus. Why, why is that? Why is that? Because Jesus Christ is a direct descendant of David and is qualified to be the eternal king. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Joseph! Son of David, do not fear. Remember, what did Jesus say? He asked the Pharisees a question, Matthew 22. What do you think about Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. When Jesus healed a man, Matthew 12, all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? All right, what did they proclaim on, on Palm Sunday? Matthew 21, Hosanna to the son of David. All right, what did they put on the cross over, over his head? John 19. What was the encryption? It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Apostle Paul understood Christ and covenant and the two of them coming together, the one fulfilling the other. Romans 1.3. Concerning his son, who was descended from David, according to his flesh. So Jesus, this Jesus, this Christmas, he is the eternal son of David and he brings a new covenant. Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Wow, we've covered a huge narrative. We have covered millennia. And when we read the verse of Matthew 26, 28, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I hope we can re-apprehend the significance of this baby Jesus this Christmas and get the depth, feel the depth of it. Luke twenty two twenty. This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, in my blood. So the, the meaning of Christmas, the meaning of Christmas is, this is how deep it goes, because it, it makes it real for his people. 
right? This isn't a festival and merely a festival. This is not a feast and merely a feast. This is not a celebration and that's all. It's not Kumbaya and it stays Kumbaya. This is Jesus, God Himself, Emmanuel, God with us, coming into our lives. A fulfillment of that prophecy from Jeremiah that we will be His people and He will be our God and He will put His law into our hearts, into our hearts. Amen. It, this is not a Christmas gift that stays under the tree, if I could put it like that. This is the gift of salvation transforms us on the inside. You pick it up and you, well, you, you can pick it up or God gives it to you. He puts it in your heart and in your mind and He gives you a real assurance that you are a child of God. No covenant before Jesus Christ could give that guarantee or enable that kind of transformation, no matter how hard they tried, no matter who they were, no matter what resources they had, right? no matter what miracles they had seen before their own very eyes, it was incapable of changing man's heart. But this one, this one, this, this son of David, right, this one, in the new covenant, by his blood, is able to do just that and so much more. That's deep, friends. That's deep. I want to end with a, a, a weird conclusion, but I think it speaks to the same theme and calls us forward. And it's actually the words of King Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. How do we apprehend the depth of this Christmas? Because we want the big picture. We don't want to make it small. We don't want to make it just a cliche. We don't want to make it just a culture thing, something, a tradition, some religion. We want to apprehend this completely in heart, mind, and, and soul. Right? I think King Solomon's got some wisdom for us on a way forward. Going forward this Christmas, as common as it is, as routine as it is, as known as it is. And we know the songs. We know the passages. We know the story. We know the narrative, right? We've done this. We've done it. What would King Solomon say? Chapter 5, verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. <laughs> what? Right there. Let's review just exactly who we worship. Let's review just exactly who this God is, what He has done, is doing, and still going to do. All right, And let's never forget, because that's what all this uh, consumerism and, and information coming through to us this Christmas is. It wants to make you big, right? And God small. Let me tell you, Christmas, God is big, and we are small. And King Solomon never lost this. I mean, he's king, he has everything. He knows everything. He's the second wisest man, second to Jesus. He has everything, has accomplished everything, knows everything. There's nothing he hasn't tried to achieve or do, right? But he never lost this, that I am a small fish. And God is the big deal. And so if we want to get the big picture of this Christmas, let's have a good, sober review of just who we are compared to God. Amen? We're talking about the birth of Jesus Christ, the son of David, this God who became man. We guard our steps when we go to the house of God. When we, 
He continues, says, go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Friends, we're not going to comprehend Christmas, at least the depth of it anyway, unless we first understand that without Him we are undone, we are lost, we are broken, we're darkly evil, and we have no hope. I know you've probably been told since you were young, you're such a good boy, you're such a good girl, well done. All right? But don't believe it for a second. Compared to God, we are completely undone, worthless and deserving of wrath, all of us, since we were born. We don't deserve one hour of breath, one minute of breath, one hour of life. We don't even deserve to wake up in the morning. We deserve nothing that we have. Everything we have, everything that we are, all our talents, all our time, all our treasure, all of that is a gift from God. And without His mercy, we would be undone. Verse 2. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest to the temple's messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? We're talking about covenants and what God has done for us in empowering us and will ultimately have realized in us all by God's grace. But this Christmas, why don't we review not only who God is and who we are, but also review the, the vows we have made, the commit, the covenants we have made. And we've made a few, right? Renew your covenant with the Lord. Just review that. If you've been drifting, it's time to recommit to a covenant commitment with the Lord. Review that. What about the covenant commitment you made to your in your marriage? If you're if you're married, you're in covenant with her. It's not something you entered into lightly. So don't break it. Don't break it cheaply. Review that get the depth of Christmas just by reviewing your covenant with God. How authentic is that? How real is that? How genuine is it? Has this one, this new covenant, this son of David, is he, is he front and center of your life? Is he the one front and center of your marriage? Is your wife better in Christ because of you? Is your husband better in Christ because of you? Or worse? Now we're talking Christmas. That's what Jesus wants to do. Uh, what about your commitment to the church? Now, look, we haven't signed a covenant, but you made a promise. <laughs> you made a promise. And if you're a member of a church, you're in covenant with God and with each other. And like your marriage vows, right? Your, your vows to one another are not a small thing. They're not a small thing. Let's have the depth of Christmas really help us because as God is, which is a man, uh, a God who keeps his word, God's word, he never lies. Every promise he's fulfilled, he always tells the truth. And as his people, so should we. Amen? So should we. Our yes is yes, and our no is no. 
and our word is not to be broken. Our promises are not to be broken. Our commitments and our vows to God and to one another. So we want to make Christmas more Christ-centered. I've said this before. It's not about protesting the lack of Christmas carols being sung in, in the malls and in the shops. It's not about protesting little um, baby scenes in mangers at, in front of pick and pay to make Jesus front and center. If we want the life and the light of Jesus Christ to be front and center this Christmas, you let the life and light of Jesus Christ work in and through you. Amen? You let the life and light of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, this one who is the fulfillment of a new covenant, you let him, because that's what he's come to do. You let that work. And this covenant is so much better. This Jesus, he is the one who purchased and secured the fulfillment of God's promises for, for us. He is the one that brings this inner transformation by the Spirit. Right? This new covenant is purchased by His blood. It is effected by His Spirit. And we take it in faith. Hebrews 13, 20-21 Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead of our Lord, the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's Christmas. That's Christmas, beloved, with Jesus Christ in us and working through us, doing His will, working what is pleasing in His sight. This is possible. This is a reality for every believer. This is what happens when God writes the law onto, on our hearts in accordance with this new covenant through Jesus Christ. And that's where it is. <laughs> I have called us to doing a lot. To doing a lot. But let's not miss this. That the joy of Christmas is that we rest in this new covenant. As you rest in His salvation, as you rest in His forgiveness, in Christ's forgiveness, so you rest in his purposes. To receive Christ, you had to drop your, your plan. Right? And to fulfill his purposes, you've got to drop your purposes. You want to make Christmas real? You want to get the depth of Christmas? Drop your purposes. Drop your plans. And start fulfilling God's purposes in God's plan. Rest. And as Jesus promised, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and what? I will give you rest. Take what? My yoke upon you, and I will give you peace. We need to realize this Christmas that loving God and loving our fellow man, right? That is the greatest gift God could give us, and the greatest gift we could give one another. God help us. God help us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank you for this. It had been a, 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 a skim on the surface of this covenant love you have for us. It's a skim on the surface. But Father, I do pray it has opened our minds and our hearts again to the depth of your love for us. And Father, would it perforate our hearts, our shallowness, 
our pride, our brokenness? Would it perforate any sort of superficial thing we've made of Christmas and Christianity? Would it perforate that and completely burn it up? Because your love is deeper and more powerful and more significant. Your hope is broader. Your love is, is deeper. You are higher. And I pray, Lord, as we apprehend this Christmas season, that it would truly be a work done in and through us and to our, our beloved families and friends and, and neighbors and strangers. We would pray that this living water would flow in and through us. And we would land where King Solomon would have us land. Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore stand in the awe of God. Father, help us to see that nothing we achieve, nothing we earn, nothing we're given this Christmas can compare. Alright? It's, 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 it's garbage compared to what we have in you. Help us to stand in awe of God. That is our rest. That is our joy. That is our contentment. Standing in awe of you. Living in awe of you. Walking in it and in it alone. Believing in it. Help us to do that, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.